Good morning. It is good to see you this morning. I, <clears throat> my voice is shot because I recognize I sing in the same key as Jessica. So <clears throat> anyway, we are in this series, Supernatural Provision. We have been looking at supernatural deliverance, supernatural healing, supernatural protection, and today is our conclusion with supernatural provision. And so I could have gone a number of different ways with supernatural provision, but we're going to be zeroing in on, well, let's just dig right in and you'll see what we're zeroing in on. All right, my question for you to begin is, how many of you have ever been in a place where you were in desperate need of supernatural provision? All right, so we're, we're know what that's like, and how many of you have already been in a position where you've experienced supernatural provision? All right, very good. I've been in both of those places numerous times, and I wanted to share with you just a little bit about uh, how challenging it was for us in the early years when we first got married, just to see if some of you have experienced some of these kinds of things, just to identify with needing supernatural provision. Now, to keep these remarks short, I'm just going to look at my bullet points so I won't go telling the story and the story and get to where I really want to go. We had very little except for very big student loans when we were married. And we rented a bare apartment. I mean bare. We had no furniture. Our first purchase was a bed. Um, we had one 14-year-old car between us, a 69 VW Squareback. Remember those? God provided work for both of us, which was uh, fantastic. And Gina rode her bike, which was fantastic, which meant I got to drive the car. She was in better shape than me. And um, we also, at that time, didn't think of ourselves as really stressed. We were both working. In fact, I was very excited to go to the mailbox and have bills. I never had that before. It's like... And we can pay these. This is great. And then we had children. <laughs> and we were down to one income. And everything changed. Bills were not quite as fun anymore. But we had this old vinyl album, which I, years ago, had digitized. And we sang this song. You might recognize a clip of it. Can you go to it? Even though we ain't got money, I'm so in love with money. Everything will bring a change. Love, love. In the morning when I rise, you bring a tear of joy to my eyes and tell me. All right, you do recognize it. There's a number of you singing along, and that's going to be stuck in your head all day now. Aren't you glad I brought that up? Okay, so how many of you can relate to that? Oh, yeah, we can relate to it. So even though we can relate to that, on the screen is just something I want us to focus in on. In spite of all of that, how many of you believe that God will meet all your needs? All right, so... 
if about half the crowd I still need to preach to this message, and so we're going to need this, and we're going to jump right into it. Now, my purpose today is to bring encouragement so that if you are in current financial need that you'd be encouraged. And if you are already convinced that God meets all of your needs, I want you to be even more convinced with with this encouragement. That's my goal for today. Now, um, I happen to be in a Bible reading plan. I don't know if you've ever discovered those in the YouVersion app that we have our, even our outline on that we use. The Bible, there's a lot of Bible reading plans. The one I'm in is a 100-day reading plan. I'm on the final stretch of it. It's the, one of the Bible Project reading plans. This one's called the Torah, which is the first five books of Moses, and it just stretched it out into 100 days. I was fascinated at how frequently, even in the first five books, we have supernatural provision after supernatural provision over and over and over again. Maybe you're familiar with this supernatural provision of bread from heaven called what's it or manna. Now, that means what's it. You got it right. What's it? What's it? It's manna. And it was daily and it was very supernatural in nature. It was only during that period of the wilderness people that God supernaturally delivered out of Egypt, slavery, and bringing to the promised land provided them manna. Also, it provided miraculously for this, there were 600 plus thousand uh, males of the fighting age that were counted. So we're talking millions total with children and, and women that you had to provide for in the middle of the wilderness, no grocery store, you know, and supernaturally provided water for them. And supernaturally provided even quail when they're really grumpy about manna. That's a story all by itself. We'll leave it there. And then uh, there's this really weird one that I want to just put on the screen. Deuteronomy 29.5, as a reviewing his supernatural provision, we read this, that yet the Lord says, during the 40 years that I led you through the wilderness, your clothes did not wear out, nor did the sandals on your feet. That is supernatural. 40 years. I, can, I go through two pairs of hokas a year now. And uh, my tennis shoes don't hold up to the desert. But I didn't know anything about the hokas back in the early days when things were stressful. I was thinking about this verse driving a 69 VW square back. It's like, God, keep this thing going because I knew I wasn't a mechanic. That's just, I needed God in this. So we're going to jump to New Testament where we read this about Philippians, from Philippians, from Paul, chapter 4, verse 19. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Amen? That's encouragement. Now, please notice what it doesn't say. It doesn't say, and God will meet all your wants. It says all your needs. Now, most of us already know the difference between our needs and our wants. Just in case there's some of us still paying off the credit card bill from two Christmases ago, you may have confused the two, okay? We, you may have racked up a whole bunch of wants, spending the money that God provided for your needs, and now you're paying on the this. That's a possibility. Uh, but he's promising to meet all your needs. Now, one of our core statements here at our church is, some of you can finish the statements, do... 
three of you could do it just right. Now, if you heard them, maybe you can help us out. Do when we're talking about doing first things first, it's you, you take care of your needs first before your wants. Otherwise, you end up with more month than money, right? At the end of your month, you spend it all on your, need, on your wants, and now you have needs, and whoops, uh, you're in trouble. And so do first things first. We're going to discover that that's a scriptural principle as it relates to our finances, that it's how God works in terms of meeting our needs we need to understand. So with that as an introduction, are you ready to be encouraged? All right, point number one is this. When God guides, he always provides. Say that with me. When God guides, he always provides. Isaiah 58, 11 says that. It says this, the Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and will strengthen your frame. You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. Now, just a little bit of context here. Isaiah is speaking to a nation that is in exile. It is a very brutal exile. Things are not going well financially. But this is a promise to his faithful remnant that those who are faithful to his covenant, he's going to provide them everything they need as he guides them and will bring them back. And it doesn't really matter if they're living in desert, in a sun-scorched place, that there's gonna be supernatural provision in the middle of all of this hardship and difficulty. He will come through for them. Just believe and trust in him. It wasn't a promise to every person. There was a differentiation that is stated out throughout the covenant. Uh, It's true for those who are the faithful remnant trusting in God. So I'm going to say some things about giving. I'm going to say some things about giving as it relates to first things first as we keep proceeding in this message. And I already know, as little as we talk about giving, every time I talk about giving, it's an uncomfortable subject for people. If you haven't experienced the generosity of God, the supernatural provision to take care of you in every way spiritually, you're not in a position to really understand what God is talking about giving. And you're going to hear me all wrong. As I teach about giving, I'm never, ever, ever teaching you need to give so you get to heaven. That's not it. Can't, doesn't work that way. And I'm never ever teaching you give and earn God's approval. It doesn't work that way. God is the one that supernaturally provided for us when we were not worthy of that provision. And now once in his family, he has some family dynamics to train his children well to develop them in generosity. So I want you to hear it along those lines, not as some kind of a pressuring down thing, but as a thing that's actually for you and that will help you. I hope that you begin to hear it that way. Um, So, point number two. God multiplies what you give. So if you're a part of the faithful remnant who seek to honor God first with their income. So if you are doing first things first financially, 
He makes your finances go really, really well to the degree that he multiplies what you give. Now, there's a whole section of scripture, multiple places on this. I'm, I'm just jumping right into the heart of things in a, a logic that Paul wrote in the letter to the Corinthians. In 2 Corinthians 9, 10, we read this. Now, he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. Now, we're talking about seed and bread and harvest. Let's not get confused. Paul, in his context previous, he's urging the Gentile churches, which he established on his missionary journeys, to take a collection of the First things first collection on the first day of the week, every week he's gonna come swing back around and gather a collection and take it all the way to Judea because Judea is in this really bad state by now and he's bringing a solidarity to the body of Christ. The Gentile church, he thinks it'd be so cool if the Gentile church would bless the Jewish church because the Jewish church, in a way, is blessed the Gentile church by bringing salvation. Now you have a chance, Gentile church, to bless the Jewish church because they're under persecution. There's a famine and economic hardship, and they're in the heart of conflict over Christianity. Let's bless the Gentile, I mean, the Jewish believers in Judea. And so, in this context, he's saying, I want you to take a collection, be generous. And if you are, he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed. Your capacity for financial blessing will be increased. Now, as you plant seed, your capacity increases. Note that order. You don't wait for the capacity to come in, then you'll plant the seed. Okay, the order is important. And just as in farming, you hold back... The, the seed, you don't eat up everything and then you plant and invest, same kind of thing. Then with that planting, you get harvest. More seed, more supply, more harvest and it's not just financially. There's a spiritual harvest in this generosity where he says, and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You're gonna see me at work in such a way where that your faith increases and your righteousness increases with it. Your capacity to do good increases when you get this right. And that's what he's talking about. It's how God's provision works. Now, Paul is in complete agreement here with the words of Jesus. But before I go to the words of Jesus, Paul has a rich foundation on which to build these ideas from, even in the Old Covenant, because it goes way back to the principle of the tithe. What's a tithe? The word means tenth. It's the tithe is the first tenth of whatever income you received was offered to God as part of the concept of the first fruits also of your harvest. So you take the first dollar of your first ten dollars, and you give that, and God makes the 90% go further than your 100% would have gone had you kept it, okay? It's a deep Old Testament principle. People often today, you'll run to people and say, that's Old Testament, or the, more specifically, that's the Old Covenant. We're now in the New Covenant. Careful, the tithe predates the Old Covenant. It goes way back to Abraham. 
predates the Old Covenant. And Jesus affirmed the tithe in the New Covenant as a starting point and then goes way beyond it in terms of learning about generosity. It's not the tenth that he's focused on. He's focused on your heart because it's all of God's resources. And so we need to make sure we get a hold of that. So rich heritage, but when he's talking about how you can be blessed with even more to be a bigger blessing if you honor God first, that's a tithe principle very strongly stated in the Old Testament, particularly in Malachi, the strongest statements there. Perfect agreement with this next statement from Jesus. Here it is in Luke. Give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. So Jesus affirmed the tithe principle. Now, the Jews listening to the Sermon on the Mount, with their background and their thinking financially, when Jesus starts addressing the issue of anxiety about whether I have enough food to eat, whether I have enough clothes to wear, where, where am I going to live, and whether I, have a, whether I have enough, all of the anxiety there. His conclusion was, interestingly enough, um, a statement about first things first, but here's how it reads, Matthew 6, But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. So interestingly enough, Jesus, when talking about financial worry, financial stress, do I have enough? Jesus' answer is, you will have enough if you seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Everybody in the audience then was Jewish. They're hearing it from a Jewish perspective, and they're totally getting the whole teaching of tithe and seeking the kingdom first, and they recognize the danger that they're in going against Malachi's words and not being blessed because they've been withholding tithe and not seeking first God's kingdom. He's saying if you want to live with plenty of provision, honor God first. Even our nation's forefathers, I don't really know exactly when this started happening, I didn't research it, put on our money in God we trust because they knew that money challenges our faith. Jesus knew it also. You know, Jesus talked more about money than you, you can even imagine. You think that most of what he would talk about would be spiritual things. He talked heavy about money. He says, you can't serve God and money. It doesn't work. Either God is gonna be your God or money's gonna be your God. You can't serve both. You gotta decide to trust God for your well-being and follow his principles or you're gonna trust your own security and your own planning and your own financial management for your well-being and you're not gonna trust God. You're gonna decide who is going to be your God. And Jesus went into this kind of thing a lot, knowing that that's right where we're tested all the time. Now, irritated yet? (laughs) If you're irritated that I'm speaking about your pocketbook and talking about, and for some people it's like 10 per cent, Are you crazy? I've been crazy all my life. God has blessed my 90% way beyond 
I, the way I was handling it, if I would have handled it without doing first things first. Because he keeps supernaturally providing, keeps blessing, keeps doing amazing things. But it's really not about the money. It's really about faith. It's really about trust. It's really about who do I trust and who will I trust? If I can trust God to save my life, why am I having trouble trusting God with my pocketbook, right? It's like whatever he says works is gonna work. If it works for my salvation for eternity, it works for my life in temporary and he will come through to show that he is able to multiply what you give. So, if you're wondering, why are we talking about giving on a message about supernatural provision? It's because they're connected. Let me say it again. Money and supernatural provision is connected. Generosity connects you to God's generosity. And I need to show you that. Point number three, your generosity impacts God's provision to you and others. I think a really exciting way to show you that right away is how we've just lived it in our church. You know a piece of this story already if you've been with us for a while, but there's two pieces of the story you haven't heard yet, and this is the first reveal of how this story unraveled in ways that surprised and shocked all of us as leaders that are in the know. We want to share this with you and celebrate this with you. Here we are. Hey VBCC, it's my privilege to share with you some news. But first, before I share with you the news, I want us to remember, do you remember that on Mother's Day, we had a special offering where everything that came in that day was going to be passed on to one of our missions, Niños de Baja in El Porvenir, Mexico. Niños de Baja takes care of orphaned and functionally orphaned children who have no other hope and they bring them in, provide a home for them, provide love for them, provide education for them. And they had a significant need and our board and our leadership decided that we needed to give them whatever came in on that Sunday, Mother's Day. And we were able to pass on over $47,000 to them from that one day's offering. What a blessing that God was able to use us to supernaturally provide for Ninos de Baja in that time of need. But that's what already happened. I wanted to tell you about what also is continuing to happen. So shortly after that, we found out that there was a member of our church who left everything they had in their will and they wanted to remain anonymous. And they moved on to be with Jesus, but they left a blessing for us in our church. We just received recently a $150,000 check from their estate to bless the church. God is incredible in his provision. As they often say, you can't outgive God. So we wanted to share with you how amazing that was through our giving and then God giving right back. And it doesn't end there either. So in the next board meeting, one of our board members said, this is incredible what God has done. And I think right off the bat, before we do anything else with this money, we should take 10% and give it to one of our missions in need. And so already we've been able to pass on another $15,000 to our mission Hope Home 
in Calcutta, India, where they care for orphans, much like Ninos de Baja does in El Porvenir. Hope Home is doing that in Calcutta, India, for kids who don't have any other hope, and they are providing for them the hope of Jesus. So thank you, church. You are the body of Christ. God is working through you, working through your giving, working through your service, and God is supernaturally providing for those in need through you. Thank you so much for being a part of the body of Christ here at VBCC. I cannot wait to see what God continues to do here through his people. Give and it will be given. It's like you, you can't outgive God. It just, it just keeps, well, how is it that we're in this building? Because of faithful people who have given. And then we get into a building that was way more valued than all the giving that we could come up with. It's just God was able to do all of that. That's just the kind of thing that we're talking about. Supernatural provision. Now, <clears throat> 2 Corinthians 9.11 reads this way. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Now, we just lived through this. You were generous. We gave it. Brought tears to many eyes that couldn't believe it at the orphanage in Mexico. And they came to share that, and they asked us questions like, how could you do that? Give away one whole week's offering. How could you do that? Well, God has showed us in the past that when we do that, he takes care of us. And... He did. Immediately, it's like, three times as much? Really? Come on. That's just too good, God. You are just proving yourself again. Amazing. Now, I love the superlatives here so that you can be generous on every occasion. When the Spirit prompts you to be generous, you can be generous because then he's going to bless you. In fact, isn't that what the entire story is all about, that God chooses to bless so that we could bless in the name of Jesus? It starts with Abraham. He's going to bless Abraham so that he can bless the entire world through his offspring. And then through Jesus, he comes. And so that we could be blessed I t started the story a, a little bit of our early life as it relates to having nothing, actually being behind nothing with a big uh, student loan to pay off. Well, if you're resisting giving because you don't know how this all works, what you need to understand first is it all comes out of God's blessing. First, you need to be blessed by God. And financial provision is, that's nothing compared to spiritual provision, right? Supernatural provision for us spiritually. Yeah, we had a big student loan when we first started getting married, but before I started a relationship with Jesus Christ, I was so in debt that the wages of all my sin was death. And that debt separated me from God. It was too huge for me to pay off. I cannot pay off my debt sin, and we're not trying to pay off God in any way with giving. He 
gave his son. He loved the world and loved us as we were wretch. While I was yet a sinner, he loved me enough to send Jesus Christ to save me and to save you. And some of you are thinking, but you don't know what I've done. That whoever believes in him shall not perish. We're here to help anybody take steps from wherever they are, whoever they are, how bad your debt is, how huge that debt is. The only debt that's unforgivable is the debt of blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. That's when you start calling everything that God does is good, you're calling it evil. If you want to be forgiven, that, then no matter how big your debts are, how huge the whole of sin is that you've dug yourself into, if you want to be forgiven by God, you haven't committed the sin of the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. If you want forgiveness through Jesus Christ's sacrifice, you can have that forgiveness today. It has nothing to do with your giving. It has everything to do with God's giving. He gave his son. You can't pay for this gift. You cannot earn this gift. You can only love God for the gift he offers you in Jesus Christ and respond by saying yes. If I had a car brand new and I said, I want to give this to you. It's not yours until you receive it and receive the keys and it becomes yours. If you reject this gift of Jesus Christ, you're still in your debt. The supernatural provision of God is to take care of every one of our needs forever. And once we're entered into the family of God, he trains his children how to be more like him. Generous, generous, generous. To live like Jesus. Serve. To not think about my own wants, but to think about your needs. And to be more like Jesus. And that too is not earning. That is a gift through Jesus filling us up with a generosity that is Jesus' generosity to live with a character that is Jesus' character through the power of the Spirit because we have been saved. So if you're struggling, connect with the generous God through Jesus Christ first. Then you'll feel so much relief and generosity on every area. Just start to trust and walk with him and take it by faith that as you trust his will, do first things first, you can prove that it works. So here's the step that I want you to take. Try it and then keep a journal about how your giving is connected to God's generosity and you really don't have to keep track of your giving as much as keep track of God's generosity because you're now going to collect stories of supernatural provision that are going to be encouraging your faith and your faith is going to soar and soar and soar and if you're young married man you're going to have story after story to tell your children and their faith is going to grow and love Jesus for his supernatural provision for their family and for them and you you need to do this. Amen? Amen? Now, if you're a guest today, thank you for coming. All of you, I'm so hopeful that this was an encouragement and not feeling like, <clears throat> okay? I'm encouraging you that God is for you, that even this teaching on giving is for you. It is in no way for me. It's for you from the word of God 
from God to you. Now, a couple of housekeeping items as we're wrapping things up. If you are a guest, um, there's these little cards in the chair in front of you. And if you were encouraged today or if you're not, uh, feedback would be great. Wouldn't mind hearing what bothered you or whatever. Um, but if you're encouraged and you want to connect, we would love to connect with you. Fill this out. takes a few seconds. Walk over to the information table and hand it in, and then you get a gift bag from us to, to go giving. Huh? Go with that gift bag with a little bit of information about the follow-up process and what things are available to you, and we would love to help you take steps from wherever you are. Everyone, not just guests, everyone, if you have a prayer need, maybe today as we're talking about you need supernatural provision, the rest of everything I said is hard to listen to because your need is so big. Uh, Jot down your need and just put it as a prayer request, put your name, contact information, stick it in the box, there's giving boxes here, and uh, we'll be praying for you tomorrow uh, with the staff if tomorrow's not fast enough and you really need prayer right now or you just need that encouragement, prayer team, would you get ready and go to the prayer area right now and you'll receive prayer. Now, prayer is for any need. If you're needing prayer right now because bad news or you just need Jesus or anything that's going on and yes, please pray for me, this is the opportunity. Um, Before I... Close in prayer. I want to tell you about what's coming next. Next week, we're starting a series called Missing Peace. In Missing Peace, um, we spelled peace that way on purpose. We're not really talking about a puzzle piece. We're talking about the missing peace as it relates to mental peace, peace of mind. And we're going to bring uh, help in the areas of anxiety, depression, worry, negative thinking, trauma, and burnout. So we're going to be in a seven-week series to help us get a hold of the peace that's missing. All right? So I hope that you'll be encouraged to be a part of this series starting next week. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for providing for us supernaturally salvation through Jesus Christ. We also thank you for providing for us everything that we need financially and spiritually. Lord, thank you for blessing us so much so that we can be a blessing to others. We trust that you'll provide even in challenging times. Fill us with hope and expectation, ready to witness your supernatural provision. We ask you to even help us to be faithful to consider grabbing a a journal and keeping track of stories where we tie our generosity with expectation and we celebrate every gift and every generous thing you bring our direction so that we can grow in leaps and bounds in our faith. We pray that there will be stories to tell. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Thank you for being here. See you next week.